Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Olivia's Obscura. I, of course, am Olivia. And I'm back with the second episode this week because I was just so excited that I was like, why do I have to wait for Monday again? Like, why do I have, like, wh- what are the podcast police going to come get me if I release two episodes in one week? I didn't think so. I also love to, like, binge a podcast, especially when I'm first getting into it, because I feel like it really just, like, sucks me in even more. So I'm trying to, like, give the people a binge opportunity. And hopefully, oops, sorry, I hope that... I'm trying to give the people a binge opportunity, so I have a lot of episodes that I want to record, and I'm like, you know what? I might as well just do it. I don't need to, like, ration them or anything. I'm always going to have stuff to talk about. One thing I'm not worried about is running out of things to talk about. Today, I'm starting off with kind of my entry into movie commentary. Um, Now, listen... I'm no film buff, but I know my way around a made-for-TV movie, and today I'm introducing you to Stalked by My Doctor. If you have seen these movies, then you probably love it for how bad it is. If you've never seen this movie, I am absolutely so delighted to be the vessel of your introduction to these movies. (laughs) There's five of them. And today I am only covering the first one, but the first one titled Stalked by My Doctor came out in 2015. It was a Lifetime movie, um, so a made-for-TV movie. Um, If you're not familiar with Lifetime movies, let me give you a little rundown into what they are and why I love them. Lifetime is a TV network, and they air these made-for-TV kind of thriller movies. So a lot of them are like, yeah, action, thriller, suspense, like usually centering around someone getting murdered or um, yeah, it's usually someone getting murdered or like someone being kidnapped or just some sort of like generally tragic event happening to somebody. But like these movies are like camp. They're kind of high camp. They're like, I think they know what they're doing. People who like Lifetime movies aren't watching them because we're like, wow, what a amazing film cinematic experience. It's because there's this je ne sais quoi about like the formula involved that like makes the movies so addicting because like you know that there's going to be this really insane thing that happens that would never happen in real life. And then you know that there's going to be some sort of giant fight or like knockdown drag out at the end where the protagonist kind of like defeats the antagonist of the movie. And then at the end, there's always like this little flash forward to where everything is just honky dory. Everything's okay. Um, The victim of whatever crime happened is you know, experiencing no traumatic side effects from that. (laughs) They've never been to therapy. They're just okay. They're just fine and dandy. Um, And yeah, there's something about how formulaic they are that is hilarious. And like, there, I I can't even, I, if you haven't ever watched a Lifetime movie, I think that Shocked by My Doctor would be a really good place to start. And it's kind of up to you whether you want me to kind of walk you through it and my thoughts about it or if you want to go watch it now and then come back. Otherwise, strap in 
because I am taking you through this movie. And let me tell you, first of all, that I did a rewatch of this movie today because I've seen it so many times. I've seen this movie probably five or six times. I discovered it earlier this year, even though it came out in 2015. It was slightly on my radar because I think... Um, I think my mom and sister had seen it before and like they had talked about it. Um, but I watched it for the first time earlier this year. I made all of my friends watch it. I actually made all of them watch every single Stuck by My Doctor movie. Me and Ty, Ty is my boyfriend, if you don't know Ty. Ty and I watched all five of them like in a week probably when we first discovered them. We were like, holy shit, this, these are incredible. They're all starring Eric Roberts. Eric Roberts is Julia Roberts' older brother, and I did not know that before these movies. I did not know that Eric Roberts existed. Um, and the other thing I'll say about Lifetime movies is that they're kind of fear-mongery. Like, I feel like they're always written to cause some sort of, like, panic in parents of teenagers specifically. Like, it always feels like they're, like, you know, it's that thing of, like, you know how people on Facebook are, like, oh my God, someone left this leaf in my windshield wiper. That definitely means that someone was trying to traffic me. And you're like, actually, no, like you're kind of just like Looney Tunes, you know? Lifetime makes movies for those people. They make movies of like really outlandish situations that could possibly happen to you or your teenager um, to get parents to be like all concerned that this is going to happen to their kid. Like I watched one last night where these people got their baby kidnapped from the park because this lady was stalking them because she found out where the IP address was coming from. And like the moral of the story was like, don't post on social media because someone's going to find your IP address and then stalk you and kidnap your kid. Like, hello, there's something very, um, there's something very victim blamey about it and like something like very false panic about them. I love that. I think it's, is it damaging? Absolutely. I think it makes for good uh, TV, if you will. Um, anywho, I rewatched this movie earlier today. It's an hour and a half movie. That's the thing that I love about Lifetime movies. Those shits are always 90 minutes. It is never longer than an hour and a half. And that is the perfect length for a movie. What was I saying? Oh my God, it was an hour and a half. I watched it earlier and I was taking notes as I did it. And it took me four hours to get through this movie. That's ridiculous. My delusional ass thought that I was going to summarize all five movies and talk about all five movies in one podcast, um, which is simply unwell of me I can't believe that I thought that was gonna happen because it took me four hours to even take notes on the first one I actually don't even want to think about how long this episode is gonna be so yeah without further ado buckle up and let's get into the 2015 lifetime classic stalked by my doctor when this movie opens we're in a restaurant Dr. Beck himself is sitting at a table and he tells the waitress that he's waiting for his date. Now, Dr. Beck is played by Eric Roberts, like I mentioned earlier. Um, definitely Google him to get like a feel for the look involved, but he's like in his 60s, gray hair, um, glasses, like a kind of charming grandpa type look is I'm, I think what they were going for. Um... He's sitting there alone. He's drinking his wine in this fancy, like, 
Lifetime Universe restaurant. And he gets a call on his phone from the date that he's waiting on. She says she's not coming. Um, She's standing him up, essentially. And Dr. Beck pushes back. He's like, why? We went to go get coffee. We had such a good time. Um, Why aren't you feeling this now? You were feeling this earlier when we got coffee. And she kind of freaks out and is like, don't call me. Don't write on my wall. I'm blocking you. I never want to see you again. And this is kind of the first, they don't waste any time in Lifetime movies. They set the scene kind of right away for you. So right away, we know that Dr. Beck bad. He leaves the restaurant and gets in his car. He fucking floors it. He drives home in a rage, a blackout of rage. He's muttering to himself in the car. He's swearing. He is so mad that this lady stood him up and he clocks in at about 116 miles per hour. The camera cuts away and then we get the title card. Stalked by my doctor. You know this is going to be good. You know this is going to be good by the first 30 seconds of the movie because of how insane it is. Now, it's here that we get introduced to two of our major players in this movie, Sophie and Ryan, high school students. Ryan is on the soccer team. Sophie is his girlfriend. She is the main character of this story. And in this scene, she is sitting on the sidelines, cheering on Ryan as he's kicking the soccer ball around. What a supportive girlfriend. While he plays his little game. Um, And her bestie comes rushing over. Her best friend is named Caitlin. They're seniors in high school. And she's like, I got into Wittendale. Wittendale is this fake college that Lifetime created. It's been in a couple different movies. I I should have looked it up. But any time that there's like a girl who wants to get into a college in a Lifetime movie, I feel like it's Wittendale, which is kind of an interesting piece of Lifetime lore. Um, She was like, I got into Wittendale. Um, open your letter. Did you get in? And Sophie's like, I don't know. I have the letter in my backpack, but I was waiting for you to get here so you could open it for me. So Caitlin opens Sophie's college letter and she finds out that um, they're going to go to the same college. They both got into Wittendale. They're going to be roommates. Um, so good for them, right? Everything's coming up, Sophie. This is this is her dream, I guess, <laughs> to go to Wittendale. Um Later in the day, Sophie and her boyfriend, Ryan, are driving home from soccer practice, assumedly. She she stayed to watch him kick the ball into the late hours of the night. And now they're heading home. Um, he's behind the wheel. He is driving this car. And he gets a text while he's driving. And he sees that it's from the recruiter at USC. Um, This movie takes place in L.A., by the way. Most Lifetime movies do take place in L.A. And also most Lifetime movies are filmed at just some random guy's house in L.A. Um, It's like it, it always looks like they're filming them in houses that are like open houses that like realtors let them use. I don't know. It's like, it's always, a, it's like the, the set design is terrible and the houses look like no one lives in them. So I'm assuming that they're like model houses or whatever. Anyway, anyway, off topic. He gets a text. He sees it from the recruiter. Sophie's like, oh my God, babe, no, let me answer it. Like you're literally driving. And he insists on replying himself. He's typing, he's driving. It's dark. Obviously, we know where this goes. He crashes the car. He was texting and driving and got in a car accident. So 
it cuts to them rushing into the hospital. Ryan looks okay. Sophie looks terrible. She has blood running down her face. She can barely breathe. She's like, <gasps> she can't breathe. And she's getting rushed through the hospital doors. We then cut back to Beck. He's sitting in his office at the hospital. And you guys, he's flipping through dating profiles. Like he's on some sort of dating website on his work computer flipping through the profiles of really young looking girls like it's obvious that he has a thing for young looking girls at this point this early in the movie because he's like seeking them out on this dating site which I think is a hilarious scene to put in right here at this part of the movie because it's kind of serious (laughs) and that's so goofy um but the nurse comes in knocks on the door says you're needed in the ER um you need to go check out what's wrong and because Sophie's there and he's the cardiologist and Sophie's having problems with her heart so um she's in pretty bad shape much worse than Ryan even though he's the one who crashed the car um so he goes down to check out Sophie and he asks her a series of questions he's like did you pass out after the accident she's like yeah he's like have you ever had heart problems she's like no and then after asking her all these like pretty routine medical questions he goes I have one more question for you do you like sushi and she kind of like nods and she's obviously in pain and like confused and he's like good once you're out of the hospital and you're all fixed up we're gonna go get sushi together and she's like okay such a strange such a strange vibe right off the bat like they don't waste any time letting us know that Dr. Beck is a fucking creep Sophie's parents arrive to the ER at this point in time and when they find out what happens the dad reveals to us that Ryan is not a first time texting and driving offender he's like what happened were you guys drinking and Sophie's like no and he was like was he texting and Sophie kind of nods and he's like I knew it I knew it the it's not a mistake this time it was a mistake the first time with the fender bender but this time he almost killed my daughter and I'm like hey how many chances are we giving people here with getting into car accidents regarding texting and driving he's like 17 or 18 years old he's had only two or three years behind the wheel what are we giving people one texting and driving accident a year (laughs) I think he needs to take some driving lessons or something um so her dad is rightfully pissed at him because like his daughter's in really bad shape And um, turns out that she needs to have surgery on her heart. Dr. Beck comes up to her parents and introduces himself as the cardiologist. He's the head cardiologist at this hospital and informs them that they have to operate on Sophie immediately or else she's going to die because her ribs are broken and one of her broken ribs is poking into one of the ventricles of her heart. And the the surgery went well. Dr. Beck is you know credit where credit is due he is a good surgeon that's canon to this movie is that he is a good surgeon so he sews her up she gets wheeled off to a private hospital room um out of the operating room I guess that was self-explanatory she leaves the operating room goes to a private room and she's sedated because she's under anesthesia from her heart surgery okay Dr. Beck comes into this room while she's unconscious He closes the door behind him so they are in the room alone together and he starts stroking her face and lips and like caressing her and eventually he leans in and slaps a big old kiss on her lips. As this girl is literally hooked up to oxygen and sedated, this old creep is kissing her. 
are you kidding me so after he does this he gets up and goes outside and tells the parents that they can come in now that she's ready to see them and because she's sedated the mom is like oh my god Dr. Beck I love you so much thanks for saving my daughter's life the parents are obsessed with him they're like oh my god we love you Dr. Beck and the mom says I know if Sophie was awake right now, she'd want to give you a really big kiss. So I'm going to do it for her. And then kisses him on the cheek and like gives him a hug. And I'm like, okay, weird. I, um, if I was sedated and my mom said that uh, to my doctor on my behalf, I would be like, why did you say that? That was strange. Um, I just thought that was weird. Like, bitch, what? Why? Why? Why wouldn't a hug do? Why did we have to make it a kiss? Anyway, Sophie wakes up. We're in a new scene now. Sophie wakes up. She comes to and her parents and Caitlin, her bestie from the opening scene, are in the room with them. She's immediately concerned about Ryan. Oh, my God. Where's Ryan? Is Ryan okay? Ryan is fine, obviously, because he suffered no consequences. Well, he did suffer a broken leg, but compared to Sophie, he suffered no consequences for texting and driving. And they're like, no, Ryan hasn't stopped by. And Sophie's like kind of weirdly touching her lips and like looking kind of concerned. And she's like, that's really weird because I could have sworn he stopped by and kissed me. And then her friend is like, oh, my God, you must have just been dreaming because you love him so much. That is so sweet. But really, she was remembering when Dr. Beck kissed her. Ew. (laughs) Okay, we're switching scenes now. We're back in Beck, Beckland, and this time Beck is on another date with a suspiciously young-looking woman from another dating website. They're talking, they're drinking wine. I actually don't think they, these people ever eat. I think they just eat, drink wine, which is good for them. Um, wine diet, wine diet alert. Um, they're chit-chatting. He pulls out his phone and shows her his vacation house in Cabo, Cabo San Lucas. And he's like, oh my God, I love to take you here. I want to spoil you. You'd never have to work again in your life and you could just quit your job and we could move to Mexico and raise a family together. And his date obviously is very weirded out by this. She looks uncomfortable. She's like, well, I like my teaching job. I wouldn't want to quit my teaching job. And we've only just met. We literally met for dinner a couple hours ago. And he goes on and on about her having his children and how they're going to raise their family in Cabo and how they're such good private schools in Baja, California. And she's like, obviously weirded out. She stands up to leave. Um, and he's like, no, 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 please don't go. Before you go, at least tell me what I'm doing wrong because I'm doing something wrong. These women keep leaving their dates with me. She's like, okay, well, you're insane. I met you a few hours ago. We literally got coffee together and now we're at dinner and you're talking about me having your kids, which is pretty strange and wanting to take me to a foreign country um, where I don't have a job and you're going to just take care of me all the time. Like, no, thanks. And he goes off on this insane tangent when this happens. And I, I have to play you the clip. She ends this impeccable roast of him by saying that he should probably see a therapist. He stands up and calls her a fat bitch, which entirely reasonable after someone tells you you should get a therapist. Women your age, I think you know everything, don't you? Touch me a helicopter. I don't need to touch you. I don't need you. There's a girl in my work. She's young. She's beautiful. I take care of her. She needs me. I take care of her. 
I saved her life, and she has a common decency from preaching when I begged for her. She listens to me. So go ahead. Run. I don't care. Good luck getting a boyfriend, because I'm not interested. I'm unfriending you. <laughs> I'm unfriending you is so funny. Um, so that was the exchange between Beck and this this poor date, this victim. Um, he, she drives away and he's pissed because he's like, why did I even waste my time on this lady from the dating app when I have this beautiful young girl at work who loves me, which unhinged. The thing about Dr. Beck is that he's he is literally what the word Delulu was made for. He's Delulu. He is a menace to society and he is a harm to himself and others. OK, where are we? Um, we're actually back in Sophie's hospital room now. So we cut to Sophie's room. Her mom is like, I'm going to go grab some lunch from the cafeteria. Do you want anything? It's just her and her mom in the room at this point. And Sophie's like, no, I'm good. Um, and so her mom leaves her alone to go grab some food. Beck just so happens to come in right after her mom leaves and asks how she's feeling. He closes the door behind him once again, locking them inside this room together, which I absolutely hate. And if I was Sophie at this point, I'd be like, literally, what the hell's going on? Open that door. What the fuck? She's like, what are you doing? He says, I got to change your bandage, um, which I don't know why. Like, why would a surgeon be doing that? Like, that's literally what nurses are for. And she literally says that the nurse already changed it this morning. And his the thing that he says is, oh, well, I've got a miracle ointment for the scar. Dude, that's going to be your excuse is that you have a miracle ointment. Okay. Um, it's giving MLM. It's giving like maybe he has some Arbon or something <laughs> that he thinks she'll totally love. And he thinks that she'll be really good at what he does, which is shilling Arbon. Just kidding. That would have been a good plot, though. Um, so he removes the bandage um, and starts rubbing this cream on her fresh ass scar with no gloves he has no gloves on no ppe nothing also i think in this timeline she was supposed to have gotten surgery like yesterday or the day before um and the scar from them operating on her is like act like visibly fully healed so just some interesting um special effects makeup going on like they clearly drew on the scar but they just didn't make it look fresh enough so whatever 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 um the other thing that I need to point out about this scene is that the bandage and the scar on Sophie is on her lower abdomen which like I guess okay now that I'm thinking about it I guess they were trying to move a rib that had broken and was poking her heart. So maybe they went in down through like where her ribs are. I guess I was assuming that they went in like it was heart surgery. So they like went in like where your heart would be. But regardless, the scar is like like near her belly button. So something about that feels off no? So Sophie and Beck are chit-chatting. Um, whatever. He's being weird and creepy. She's upset about the scar. She's like, oh, no, I'm going to have a scar. It's going to make me hideous. And then Beck is like, no, you're beautiful. You're a beautiful young lady. And if your boyfriend is upset about the scar, then maybe you need to get a new boyfriend. Then her, her mom comes back. And Dr. Beck excuses himself. He sees himself out of the room. And her mom is like, what was he doing in here? Like, why was he in your room with you alone? Why was he changing your bandage without another female nurse in the room? And Sophie's like, 
oh, did there need to be another nurse in the room? And her mom is like, yeah, probably. Okay, brief inter brief interruption, a slight malfunction. Brief interruption to talk about this text that Montana just sent me about the Taylor's Taylor Swift 1989 cardigans, the 1989 Taylor's version cardigans, those ugly ass blue cardigans with the seagulls. Um, and it's from this the Taylor Swift Swift merch community subreddit. And it says, hey guys, got my cardigan today and just wanted some peace of mind if anyone else is this see-through. It's my first cardigan and I know nothing about cardigans in the first place. I just don't know if anything is to be concerned about. And she posted these pictures of this cardigan that has like gaping holes in it. Like the knit is super loose. <laughs> And everyone in the comments is like, yeah, that's normal. That's normal. And we're like, okay, just because that's normal doesn't, <laughs> doesn't mean that that's good. <gasps> Taylor Swift is a billionaire now. She's a billionaire. Can she make sweaters? Give us a good old-fashioned fisherman sweater. Give us an Aaron jumper, okay? I'd eat that shit up. Anyway, back to stalked by my doctor. All right, now we're at the point where Sophie is getting discharged from the hospital. She's getting wheeled out to her parents' car. The whole team of doctors is accompanying her. And just before she's about to get in the car, she stands up, rises out of the wheelchair, and gives Dr. Beck a big old hug to thank him for saving her life, obviously. And she weirdly whispers in his ear, I just love you, Dr. Beck. She says it just like that. She's giving him a hug, and she whispers in his ear, I just love you, Dr. Beck. Okay, like, okay, listen, is Dr. Peck, like, a real shithead? Absolutely, yes. But, like, why, why are they make? why are the writers making Sophie say this stuff? Because this is feeding into his delusion, no? And I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying that Sophie's responsible for Dr. Beck's delusion. But, like, we could make this a little more believable, right? No. The unbelievableness of it is the beauty, okay? Beck tells Sophie that she needs to come back in for an EKG the following week. The nurse is like, isn't that a little soon? And Dr. Beck is like, no, it's not. Get it in the books. And the nurse is like, okay, we'll do it. Um, when Sophie gets home, she goes to see Ryan at his house for the first time since he crashed his car while they were texting and driving. And she hasn't heard from him up until this point. She's been in the hospital. She's been wondering. She's like, why isn't Ryan calling? Why isn't anyone, why isn't Ryan talking to me? Why isn't Ryan talking to me? He almost killed me in a car accident and now he's not talking to me. So she shows up at his house like any reasonable girl would do. I do, <laughs> I do understand that one. And she's like, why aren't you talking to me? I called you. I called your parents' landline. I emailed you. He's acting really cold and standoffish. And he's like, I didn't want to talk to you after the accident because I feel so guilty. He felt so guilty because her dad was so mad at him for texting and driving, which I mean, fair. So what you're he's literally not going to deal with it. He's just not he's just going to ghost his girlfriend of three years. No gay. OK, I love that. I love how good men are at um, addressing situations. That's just awesome. He's also super pissed about the fact that he's never going to be able to run at full speed again due to the accident because he sustained a leg injury. Okay. He did break a leg. Um, and so his dreams of being a soccer star at USC are dashed, obviously, because that he was his job was soccer and now it can't be anymore because he no run. Sophie is obviously upset about the way Ryan is acting because he won't talk about his feelings and he's just pissed and he just like threw a soccer ball at the wall when she asked him what was going on instead of actually talking about his feelings and she's like fuck this so she goes home to talk about this with her mom the mom offers some very tepid advice she's like oh sweetie he's going through a lot and you know boys are never good about talking about their feelings 
And that's the end of that touching mother-daughter conversation. Um, Apparently, Sophie wasn't super stoked about the advice that her mother gave her. So she decides to show up at Dr. Beck's house. Yeah, she shows up at his front door and is like, I'm sorry. I looked up your address on the internet. I'm sorry for showing up. I just really needed to talk to you. And he lets her in. And she's like, I've just been really confused these past few weeks since the surgery. I feel the same way. You do? We were meant to be together. My parents think I'm asleep in my room. I snuck out. I want to. <laughs> okay, so um that happens. <laughs> And it was all just a delusion. That's right, baby. That was just straight from Dr. Beck's fucked up dark mind. Um, and it was all a dream, basically. None of the none of the stuff where Sophie showed up to his house happened. And this it's it's few and far between in this first movie. As the movies go along, the flashbacks get a lot more frequent and a lot more intense to the point where you don't really know whether you're watching the movie or you're watching a flashback. One of my favorite things about these movies. Um Anyway, she is at her follow-up appointment now at this point in the movie, and the nurse tells Dr. Beck that she's ready for him. She's like, Sophie's in room three whenever you're ready. And he's like, okay, cool, I'll be right in. But first, I have to spray some breath spray in my mouth. Um, God knows why. So in a very unnecessary scene, we see Dr. Breck, Dr. Breck, we see Dr. Beck spray some Listerine spray in his mouth and gets a move on. He goes into the room and Sophie tells him that she got him something. She's like, I got you a present. And it's a teddy bear and a card. And she's like, don't read the card until you get home later. Don't read it while I'm here. And he's like, oh, why not? He's like trying to be playful with her. And she's like, no, really, don't read the card till you're at home. And he's like, okay. So they do the appointment, whatever. Dr. Beck is walking Sophie and her mom out of the hospital. They're chit-chatting. He's like, what are your plans for college? And she's like, oh, pre-med. Obviously, obviously she wants to be a doctor. And obviously Dr. Beck is going to prey on this. So um, he's like, oh, well, if you ever need to know what it's like to be a doctor, you know, you can ask me. And then he's like, well, I got to get going. I got doctor stuff to do. Um, so he leaves. And then Sophie's mom is like, I, I get a weird feeling about this guy. Like, he feels like he's hitting on you. And Sophie is like, oh, my God, mom. No, he's not hitting on me. He's just my doctor. And the mom is like, OK, well, whatever. Just don't dress like this the next time we come to an appointment. And kind of like gestures to her chest area. Insane. <laughs> <laughs> for the record she was wearing like a short sleeve sundress with like a v-neck so crazy anyway um dr beck reads sophie's letter after she leaves and here's that here's the letter for you dear dr beck up until this moment i had no idea how precious and fragile life can be you have given me the most wonderful gift of all thanks to you and your staff i am alive with no pun intended my heart truly belongs to you. Love, Sophie. Okay, so pretty insane letter. Like, it's a sweet letter, right? It's a sweet letter, but obviously Dr. Beck is like, 
okay, she's in love with me, obsessed with me, head over heels, in love with me. Duh. Um, even though I get the intention. She was just trying to thank him for saving her life. Whatever. This guy, God complex. This is just feeding his God complex. He is all over it. Um, so we cut to him placing the teddy bear she got him on the dashboard of his car and driving to her house. He knows where she lives. I guess that's information you would have as a doctor. But he drives to her house and serendipitously, as soon as he pulls up, he sees Sophie getting into Caitlin's car. They drive away. Dr. Beck follows them. They go to some sort of cafe um, to eat and catch up. I'm assuming they're talking like they haven't seen each other since Caitlin or since Sophie was in the accident. So Caitlin and Sophie are catching up. And then Caitlin is like, hey, isn't that your doctor? And points over to the line. And sure enough, it's Dr. Beck in line. Sophia waves him over. She's like, hey, Dr. Beck, just to say hi. I guess. And then Dr. Beck comes over and invites himself to sit with them. Caitlin is definitely picking up on a vibe at this point. And Caitlin's like, okay, well, you guys talk. I'm going to go get some carrot cake from the counter. Becca's like, hang on. I got it. He hands her a $50 bill. Caitlin is obviously taken aback. She's like, oh, okay. Um, thanks. I'll be right back. So she goes to get carrot cake. And uh, Sophie and Dr. Beck are alone at the table. Dr. Beck is like, I got your note. Thank you so much for your note. And he kind of like tries to reach across the table and like hold her hand. And she kind of like pulls it back. He then invites her to go see a movie. He's like, what are you doing later? What are you doing after this? And she's like, I don't know homework. I'm 17 years old. And he's like, well, I was thinking about going to see a movie if you wanted to come with me. Um, just you and I, though, not Caitlin. This is I'm just inviting you. And Sophie's like, what the fuck? She's very weirded out by this. And she declines the invitation, obviously. She's like, I have to go home and do homework. And Caitlin works early in the morning and she has to drive me home. So whatever. Caitlin comes back with the carrot cake and Dr. Beck's change because carrot cake didn't cost $50, obviously. And he's like, actually keep it. Keep the change and keep my cake too. I got to go. I'm going to go catch an early showing of this movie. And he just like yeets on out of there. Caitlin was like, that's weird. That guy's weird. That guy's vibe is pretty weird. And so he's like, yeah, it's fucking weird. Um, and then outside the restaurant on the street, we get an absolutely iconic meltdown scene from Dr. Beck. He's in this like dumpster area um like behind a restaurant and he is like flinging himself against the chain link fence he's throwing garbage around he's screaming i am a doctor i am a doctor here let me show it to you it reminds me a lot of um what is it what is it? Here. I am a surgeon. I am a surgeon. Anyway, art imitates art or whatever. The next morning, we're at the breakfast table now in Sophie's home. Sophie and her dad and her mom are all sitting together eating breakfast. Sophie tells her parents what happened the night before. She's like, my doctor found me at a restaurant and invited me to go see a movie with him 
And the dad is like, oh my God, you're overreacting. The dad is so dismissive in this movie. Daddy L, the whole time, he is consistently is the is the worst. Um, he's like, Dr. Beck basically rewrote the handbook on cardiology and he's the best doctor on the West Coast. Like he's a very esteemed doctor. He's like, you can't switch doctors. We'd have to fly you to New York to get a doctor as good as Dr. Beck. So Sophie's like, well, what am I supposed to do? Uh, hello, my doctor is being predatory. And her dad goes, well, that's just the way life works. That's literally, he says, guys will be guys and you're a beautiful young lady and you better get used to it because that's just how the world works. And the amount of apathy coming from him towards his daughter is absolutely concerning. Um, the mom comes in at this point to give a really on the nose feminist monologue about like why women have to put up with bad behavior while men get a free pass. Um, it's like a really, it's like the Kmart version of America Ferreira's monologue in Barbie. Sophie's dad caves. He says, okay, fine. I'll go talk to Beck about this. I'll clear this up. So he goes to the hospital. He confronts Dr. Beck. And he's like, so I heard that you asked my daughter to the movies. That's what she told me. And Dr. Beck gaslights the fuck out of her dad. He's like, this is just a really common phenomenon among patients. They get obsessed with their doctors and fantasize about them, especially young women. They always fantasize about their male doctors. Um, LOL, right? LOL. Patients often fantasize about their doctors after they save their life. He says, okay. <laughs> okay, you liar. So when the dad isn't buying this, Dr. Beck shows him the teddy bear and the note, um, which unfortunately... As you can see, it's it's not going to help her beat the I'm obsessed with my doctor allegations, right? That note, I fear, is fairly incriminating, uh, which I'm so sorry. Sophie, you don't deserve this, okay? Sophie, I'm on your side. I'm on your side here. Anyway, Dr. Beck hears the dad say, like, you know, my my wife and Sophie want to switch doctors. And Dr. Beck is like, no, you can't switch cardiologists. That's a terrible idea. Because there's a chance that in the future, Sophie's heart might need another surgery. And in that case, I would want to be the one to do the surgery because I'm the only one who knows what's going on in there. Um, okay, so the dad leaves. Sophie's mom is like, okay, whatever. I don't buy it. I don't buy that my daughter is obsessed with him. But we'll stick with him for now. If he ever pulls any more shit, we're switching doctors. Okay, we're switching scenes. We're now outside of Sophie's house again. Beck is there once again, just like he was the night before, waiting for when he followed Caitlin and Sophie to the cafe. He's outside again, lurking in his car. And he, again, very serendipitously, uh, Sophie and her mom walk out of the house, get into their car, and leave. They're going grocery shopping. Dr. Beck then breaks into their home. Now, let me tell you, one thing about Lifetime movies is that security cameras do not exist in the Lifetime universe. And it is so easy to just break into people's homes with no consequences. Like, there's, it's so easy to just, like, open a door and go into someone's house. Like, I, either everyone in the Lifetime universe doesn't lock their door or the locks in the Lifetime universe are, like, extremely easy to pick. I don't know. You pick. Take your choice there. Um, so he gets inside of their house, and he goes upstairs to Sophie's room, and he is being so creepy. He's sniffing her sheets. He's tucking himself 
into her bed and he's kind of like writhing around in bed and he's having this fantasy we're back in dr beck fantasy land again and it's sophie and she's climbing on top of him and she's kissing his neck it's disgusting this scene is disgusting by the way and she's like i'm so glad you came over and they're like making out and stuff and then he gets snapped out of it he gets snapped out of his delusion because he hears a knock on the door and he's like oh fuck they're home. People are home. Um, so he freaks out. And then we see that it's Ryan who's at the door. Ryan has finally come around. He finally wants to talk. And Sophie's like, okay, well, if you're not going to be a bitch this time, you can come in and talk to me. Only if you're going to be nice to me, though. And he's like, okay. They go up to her room where Dr. Beck has hidden himself inside of her closet. This is another really common Lifetime movie trope. There's lots of closet hiding happening. Um, and Sophie and Ryan sit down on her bed to talk and Dr. Beck is watching through a crack in the closet door. Totally normal, natural, normal stuff. Ryan tells her, oh, I love you, blah, blah, blah. He like redeems himself, I guess, from the earlier scene where he was being a little pissy. And he gives her his grandmother's ring as like a promise ring, I'm assuming. Sophie's like, what's this for? And he's like, you can mean whatever you want it to mean, babe. Um, so I guess it's some kind of like promise ring. Ryan thinks this is going to fix their relationship. Sophie's skeptical. She's like, well, just because you give me this doesn't mean everything's going to be fixed. But she does accept the ring. Um, then they start making out and like hooking up on the bed. Well, Dr. Beck watches through the closet again. Super cool. <laughs> super normal. I, I hate when that happens, right? I hate that when I'm hooking up with my boyfriend and my doctor is looking at me through the, the, the hole in the closet door. <laughs> um, anyway, Ryan and Sophie leave their room eventually and Beck just easy peasy sneaks out through some kind of side door like I can't believe he didn't get caught I can't believe how easy it is for some strange man to just be walking around in someone's house um anyway oh my god what I forgot to mention earlier is that when Sophie and Ryan walked into the room at first Sophie goes oh my god my room's a mess because like her bedspread is all askew her like sheets are all messed up like he was touching all this shit and like smelling stuff so She's like, oh, my God, my room is a mess. And, like, I would be, like, much more concerned if I were her. Um, but she just kind of moves on. She's like, oh, my God, my room's a mess. Anyway, Ryan, what's up? Blah, blah, blah. Can I see your grandma's ring? Now Dr. Beck is out to get Ryan, right? Because Ryan's threatening to him now. He's under the assumption that Ryan is stealing Sophie away from him because he's delusional. Because he's delusional. So we're at the hospital again. He asks the nurse to tell him when Ryan is coming in for his next follow-up appointment. So we cut to that appointment. Ryan, you know, hoists himself up onto the exam table or whatever. He's like hobbling around because his leg is broken. He has crutches and he has the nurse um, help him get the stuff out of his pockets. That's like a distinct part of the scene is he's like, hey, can you help me with this pocket? Um, and the nurse removes his keys and his phone and sets them on the counter in the exam room. So the nurse leaves the room after he she emptied his pockets for him and to go get the doctor, presumably. And in between, um, Dr. Beck comes wandering in. He's like, hey, Ryan. Hey, pal. What's going on? Um, do you remember me? <laughs> and Ryan is like, yeah, you're the guy who asked my girlfriend out to go to the movies. And Dr. Beck is like, oh, you silly boy. I never did that. Dr. Beck is like, you know, I just um, wanted to check on you because I haven't seen you since the night you and Sophie got, got here from the accident. Um, and then Ryan's doctor walks in the room and she's like, oh, hey, Dr. Beck, like, what are you doing here? You're not 
Ryan's doctor. Do you need something? And he's like, oh, no, I was just checking in on Ryan. Like, I was here the night that he came in from the accident. But whatever. Whatever. All of that happens. Dr. Beck kind of slyly off to the side picks Ryan's phone up off of the counter and puts his own phone down in place of it. He walks out into the hallway outside the hospital room and he gets into Ryan's phone. He just opens it up. Ryan doesn't have a passcode on that phone, okay? Another thing about Lifetime movies is no one has passcodes on their phones. It is so easy to break into someone's phone in the Lifetime movie universe. He opens up the text messages to Ryan's bestie um, and types out a text that says, and I quote, my girlfriend has a huge scar under her left tit. I'm dating the bride of Frankenstein. <laughs> and I can't. It's funny because we can see the earlier texts that were exchanged between Ryan and his buddy. And they're like, hell yeah, bro. Like they're like boy, they're like teenage boy texts. And then Beck comes in and says my girlfriend girl space friend by the way has a huge scar under her left tit exclamation point i'm dating the bride of frankenstein and bride of frankenstein is capitalized i'm like that is just not how teenage boys would text i don't even capitalize proper nouns are you kidding me i'm too cool for that anyway after it's sent beck goes into like the iMessages and deletes that message so ryan can't see that it was sent when he goes back to look into the text conversation obviously the friend who received this text is like what the fuck shows his girlfriend who happens to be caitlin sophie's bestie and caitlin's caitlin is like i have to show sophie this like this is not right i can't believe ryan said that about my best friend um and the deleted text is yet another comment get your bingo card out the deleted text is a really common trope in Lifetime movies. I love it. There's so many times that like the perpetrator l gets into their victim's phone, sends a risky text, and then deletes it. And I just love that because I don't think that's literally maybe ever happened. Like ever in real life. <laughs> I just, it's just iconic. Anyway, Sophie obviously confronts Ryan about the text. He's like, I didn't do it. He's like, I swear, babe, someone must have hacked my phone. I hate when that happens. I hate when someone hacks my phone and sends a text. Sophie doesn't buy it. Ryan denies, denies, denies. Sophie leaves his house. She's pissed because, hey, she called, he, he, she thinks he called her, her the bride of Frankenstein. Hey, I'd be mad too. What the hell? Also, just if we're going to be honest for a second, who cares if there's a scar under your tit? I mean, like, I, even if there's a scar on your tit, you know, like, I don't care. If you're a good person, I would assume you don't care if someone you love has a scar on their tit. Under their tit? Why is that an issue? Why is an abdominal scar um, such a big deal? I don't get it. It's like, and we see the scar. She like lifts up her shirt and she's like, look at it. Do you think I'm disgusting? And it's literally like, oh my, do you remember Scar Girl on TikTok? That girl that like very obviously drew a scar on her face with makeup every day. And it's always, it always looks different. So people can tell it's fake because she's not consistent with it. That's what Sophie's scar looks like. Okay. It's like clean. It's like not like, it's not, it's objectively not gross. So anyway, whatever. Crazy, crazy crazy plot um ryan then thinks to ask his friend when he received the text he's like what's the exact time that you received this text from me and ryan matches that time up to be the time that he was in this appointment not with his phone so he's like 
Dr. Beck did it, obviously. Dr. Beck did it. He was being weird. He was in the room with me. So Ryan looks up Dr. Beck's address and shows up at his house. This motherfucker shows up at Dr. Beck's house and is waiting on the French porch steps with his crutches because <laughs> he's still got a broken leg. He confronts Dr. Beck about the text. He's like, did you send that text to my girlfriend? And Dr. Beck denies it. He's like, you're crazy. Get off my lawn. Like literally get off my lawn. Then Ryan tries to beat up Dr. Beck with his crutches. This fight scene kind of like, kind of iconic. I'm not going to lie. Dr. Beck is like, I'm going to call the cops because you tried to assault me with a deadly weapon. And if you're wondering the deadly weapon he was referring to was his crutch. It was his aluminum crutch. Um, so Beck throws the crutch he hurls it over the fence into some bushes and leaves Ryan just kind of like laying on the ground in his front yard. Um, this is what happens next. You can't just leave me here. You're a doctor. Yes, I can. I'm off the clock. <laughs> yes, I can. I'm off the clock. Period. Period, Dr. Beck. We love that you have work-life boundaries. <laughs> um, so that's crazy iconic dialogue alert i can't i'm off the clock i do unironically love that ryan hobbles back to his car which he somehow drives with his broken leg i don't know i've never broken a leg so maybe that's okay maybe it's cool for you to drive with a broken leg who's to say he sends sophie a text and he's like he just got done torturing me dr beck is torturing me he's obsessed with you while sophie receives this text she and caitlin happen to be at the mall shopping they're shopping to their clothing store browsing this clothing rack and who sneaks up behind them again you it's dr beck he's everywhere this guy's everywhere he's like hey girls and sophie's like what the hell are you doing here are you following me and he's like oh no i just happened to be here and i saw you walk in and i had to come over and say hey he asked sophie if they can talk for a minute she's like no <laughs> get away from me obviously at this point sophie's sick of this and asks she also asks dr beck if he tortured Ryan because Ryan told her that he tortured him. And Dr. Beck is like, no, I didn't torture him. He showed up to my house and tried to kill me. Be fucking for real. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. I had to just grab my cat out of a potted plant real quick. He doesn't know how to act. He tells Sophie that, you know, I know Ryan's going through a tough time, so I'm not going to press charges, but don't let it happen again, or I will call the police. And this is all happening in like a clothing store at the mall, okay? <laughs> Strange, weird behavior. Um, he then is like, well, I got you something as an apology, Dr. Beck to Sophie. She's like, I don't really want it. And he's like, we'll open it. And so she opens it and it's a very specific type of doll that she collects. It's like a knockoff American Girl doll. It's like the Lifetime Universe American Girl. Um, and he obviously only knows about this. He knows that she collects them because he broke into her room that one time and saw them in there. And Sophie's like, how do you know that I collect these? And Dr. Beck says, I'm just very intuitive about these things. That's literally his quote. He goes, I'm just very intuitive about this kind of thing. And Sophie's like, obviously freaked the fuck out she's like i can't accept this and her and caitlin hightail it out the store they're running out of the store dr beck is still holding the doll he's crestfallen and so he goes into the bathroom and has another one of his rage induced meltdowns he like pulls the doll apart and like pulls her arms off and like flings her onto the ground and starts sobbing kind of insane um, Sophie goes home and asks her dad if he had mentioned at any point in time that Sophie collected these dolls. She's like, that's really weird. Um, how would he know this? 
unless he's literally looking into my bedroom window. Girl, you don't even know the half of it. You don't even know the half of it. Her dad is like, no, I didn't tell him anything about that. Um, And Sophie is like, well, that's weird. Like, there's literally no way he would know this unless he was literally inside my room, which again, he was. Girl, girl. Can I just ask, why hasn't she put two and two together? Like, we... We moved on from the fact that her room was all messed up after she was gone way too quick. After this, after she, because she was, she put two and two together. She was like, the only way he would know that I collected this doll is if he was looking into my bedroom window. But she doesn't think like, oh, you know what else was weird about my room is that it was all messed up the other night. Almost like someone had been in my bed. Hmm, weird. Anyway, whatever, Soph. I know you're going through a lot. I know you just had heart surgery, so I'll let you go. I'll let you have that one. So anyway, obviously her dad has to have another terrible take. Here we go. Dad, you should see the way he looks at me. It's like he's a middle schooler and he wants me to help him lose his virginity. Okay, what do you want me to do? Report him to the AMA? Yeah, and I think we should get a restraining order. And ruin this guy's career? He is... Uh, okay. Dad sucks. Hey, Mr. Green, Mr. Sophie Green, get a grip. Oh, you should see the way my doctor looks at me. He's really fucking creepy. And all he has to say is, okay, what do you want me to do? Report him to the medical board? Yeah, bitch. The mom is the only person in this movie who has some sense sometimes because she's like, yeah, I want to get a restraining order and report him to the AMA. And of course the dad, oh, of course he goes, what do you want to ruin this guy's career? Yes, ruin his career, okay? The mom finally draws a line. She's like, this is ridiculous. This isn't going to happen anymore. I'm insisting we're getting Sophie a new doctor. And the dad is like, okay, whatever, he caves. Sophie and the mom go, to the, go into the hospital the following day to retrieve the CD of her CT scans or something like that, something along those lines. They need her medical files. And Dr. Beck is there and he insists on having a chat with them because he wants to persuade them to stay with him as their cardiologist, obviously. Um, again, the mom is the only person in this movie that has any goddamn sense because she won't let him talk to them. She gets the files and leaves and essentially tells him to fuck off. So slay, mom slay. Obviously, obviously, this fills Dr. Beck with rage. Um, so he goes to his desk, the same desk where he was doing dating online dating <laughs> earlier in the movie and he uses his doctor powers to look up um sophie's mom's medical files her name is adrian i believe he looks up her mom he finds her patient notes which i just gotta say written in her patient notes is breast tenderness vaginal dryness premenopausal and then allergic to penicillin okay he then looks up her current medications and see that sees that she's taking one called estroganic it's for menopause relief and he kind of sinisterly whispers like perfect to himself he's like ah oh, perfect like this is my in so we know some shit's about to go down with the penicillin right and the estroganic here's where things start to go really off the rails as if this <laughs> i am an hour into this recording and just now i'm like this is really going off the rails guys as though this whole movie didn't start off the rails anyway dr beck breaks into sophie's house again this time armed with a bag of penicillin okay i need to get some pharmacists in the chat i need to get some pharmacists dming me all right because i need <laughs> i need to fact check this he is just with a he just has with him a gallon like Ziploc bag filled with white powder. 
labeled penicillin. I don't know shit about shit, but like, I don't think that's how penicillin is um, like distributed or sold um, either. Anyway, crazy, crazy bag of penicillin. He goes to the closet and gets a bottle of estroganic out. It's this brand new sealed bottle and he takes a razor blade and like takes the metal seal off really carefully so it stays intact. He opens each of the estroganic capsules, dumps out what's already in there, and then refills them with penicillin powder. <laughs> crazy! That is crazy. He's, he's doing all of this in their house in the middle of the night while everyone's upstairs sleeping. <laughs> the audacity of the gal and the fact that he's doing this again with no gloves he's filling those little penicillin you know capsules with penicillin allegedly um with no gloves on like dude get some fucking gloves you're a doctor um so he seals the metal seal back onto the estroganic with some special pill bottle glue <laughs> i'm sure he got from the hospital puts them back where he found them and leaves beck has another fantasy <laughs> after this where sophie tells him that she wants to be with him and that it was all her mother who was forcing them to apart and she was the one who made her leave the hospital and it's very obvious that Beck is like deeply un Dr. Beck I should say I keep calling him Beck which like that's fair his first name is Albert Albert Beck it's clear that Dr. Beck is like severely unraveled at this point like he is a full-on crazy train following day Sophie walks into her house and finds her mom on the floor her mom's on the floor she's not breathing Sophie calls 911 and the 911 operator says it'll be 10 to 15 minutes for an ambulance which seems that seems like a long time I don't know I guess I haven't I guess I don't have any ambulance experience I've never called an ambulance okay um so I don't know but that seems like a long time if someone's like you know not breathing um so Sophie's like fuck it I'm taking mom to the hospital by myself so she lugs her mom who's like dead weight into the SUV drives her ass to the hospital and then as the mom is in the hospital bed in the emergency room dr beck materializes as he tends to do he's always just like showing up in random places um he, dr beck asks a nurse what happened to her and the nurse is like it was vascular failure and anaphylactic shock but like she's stabilizing and she's gonna be fine and thank god that sophie found her when she did otherwise she definitely would have not made it and beck is kind of standing in the er at this point looking at sophie and her mom and his attention is caught by this firefighter walking out of the ER who has soot all over his face and he's like burned. And you can tell that this gives Dr. Beck a little bit of an idea, like a little light bulb lights up. So remember that for later, this firefighter. Uh, now we're at the part of this movie where Sophie is touring a college campus. I don't know. I'm guessing she's touring Wittendale since that's the one she got into. She went by herself because her mom is obviously still recovering from the anaphylactic shock incident and her dad is at home taking care of her. So Sophie went to this college orientation visit by herself, whatever. And she calls them on her way home as she's about to get into her car to talk to them and tell her about the day. She's walking alone through a parking garage at night. <gasps> oh, Chekhov's parking garage literally that like literally you're gonna die right she's on the phone with them dr beck is waiting in the parking garage for her obviously because he knows where she is i guess somehow he sneaks up behind her tries to suffocate her but she gets away 
and runs into her car. So she slams the door. She drops her phone. The phone is on the sidewalk in the parking garage. She gets in her car. She starts absolutely driving away. (laughs) That wasn't that exciting. She starts absolutely driving away. And then Beck gets into his car and follows her. High speed chase, but make it stupid in this parking garage. They're like going around. You know how parking garages, you go around and around and around. And they're going around and around and around. Sophie's trying to turn and Dr. Beck kind of snuck up on her because he took like the other way of the parking garage and T-bones her. Um, So she's rushing to get out of the car. She's stuck at this point. And Dr. Beck gets out of his car, breaks Sophie's windshield with a crowbar and takes her out of the car. Now, Sophie's call dropped, right? She was talking to her parents, but now her parents haven't seen her. She's not home and her phone is laying in the parking garage. So they're really concerned. They're leaving her voicemails. They're worried about her. They get a knock on the door. Who is it? It's the police. It's the police. They inform her parents that she sadly has died in a car crash. They're devastated, right? The story goes that she crashed her car into a lamppost and her body ended up being burned beyond recognition. This shit is all over the news. And this is where we figure out that earlier when Dr. Beck saw the firefighter, this inspired him to go into the morgue of the hospital and take a body so he could plant it in the vehicle as Sophie's body and burn it so nobody would know. Which like, okay, fine, fine idea or whatever isn't, the like i don't know any can we get some morgue workers in the chat can we get some morticians (laughs) pharmacists and morticians okay hey you like keep track of the bodies that you have in the morgue right like if someone just took a body out of the morgue and didn't replace it with a different body like i'm assuming you guys would be wondering where the body went right because hey they're dead they can't walk out of the morgue so i didn't i never got i've never gotten answers about that okay but I am worried about what happened when the morgue figured out they were missing a body because I'm assuming that's a problem anyway we cut to Dr. Beck talking to Sophie while she is tied onto his bed he is holding her captive in his home her ankles and wrists are tied to corners of the bed and there's a gag in her mouth and he's going on some rant about how he saved her and gave her her life he explains to her, it kind of parallels earlier in the story on that date where he called the girl a fat bitch. He explains that he wants to retire and take her to Mexico where they will live together forever. And he even shows her the fancy new passport that he got for her, which somehow has his last name on it. It's not easy to get a passport. Okay. It took me like six weeks to get a passport and I had to mail in like my birth certificate. So I don't know what kind of documents he was forging in order to get Sophie Beck on a passport, but I guess that's past the point. I'm really dwelling on the details here. And we get a flashback scene right now showing how Beck staged the car accident. He takes the the morgue body, the body from the morgue, puts it in the passenger seat, and he drives the car around town and crashes it into a lamppost. <laughs> he gets out of the car, he, he puts the body in the driver's seat, pours gasoline all over the car throws a match on it and walks away as it burns it's kind of an iconic scene with him walking away like an action hero with like the car exploding in the background but make it stupid (laughs) 
Dr. Beck, the next day, is at his desk. He's clearing out his desk at the hospital. A nurse is like, hey, you moving out? And he's like, oh, no, I'm just organizing. Um, but he's acting mad suspicious. Duh. In a different scene now, the Sophie's mom is opening like a like a bag from like the medical examiner or like evidence bag or whatever and she she dumps out this little plastic bag from the hospital and the ring that ryan gave her tumbles out she takes it to ryan she's like i know sophie would want you to have this and ryan's looking at it and he looks kind of suspicious and he's like this is not my grandma's ring i know what it looks like and this wasn't the ring that i gave sophie so him vigilante justice king he's on his vigilante shit he goes into the hospital and tells a doctor that this is the wrong ring he's like this is not the ring that was on my girlfriend's body um she's kind of like i don't know what to tell you like this is the ring that was on her body when she came to the morgue and ryan doesn't really get any answers but he smells something fishy and asks how he can get a copy of the coroner's report because that'll that'll settle some things right the doctor informs him that he can't get the coroner's report. Only family members can access the coroner's report. So Ryan calls Sophie's mom to see if she will claim the report. Um, she doesn't really want to. She's like, it's too painful. I just want to move on. The dad is pissed because, again, men in this men don't know how to deal with their feelings in these movies. He's pissed. He's like, I can't do anything. I can't sleep. I can't eat. I can't work. I'm just so sad. <laughs> like, dude, you need therapy. That's OK. But he gets angry. Sophie's mom is hesitant to get the coroner's report. But Ryan insists he's like, something is so weird. We have to do this. And so she she complies. She folds. She gets the coroner's report. And the mom, the dad and Ryan are all looking at it together. They see that the medical examiner logged her death at 12.55 a.m. But then on this medical report, it shows a timestamp of Dr. Beck logging in to the report a half an hour later at 1.25 a.m. This is suspicious to them. And Ryan's convinced that Dr. Beck faked Sophie's death. He's like, if anyone can fake a death, it's a doctor. Um, the dad freaks out again. He wants everyone to just move the fuck on. He hates Ryan's conspiracy theories. He's like, you're just causing more pain for all of us. Shut the hell up with your stupid conspiracy theories about a doctor killing my daughter. Um, so Ryan, despite Sophie's dad wanting everyone to move on and let it go, Ryan persuades Sophie's mom to go with him to Beck's house since he knows where he lives. He's been there before the infamous crutch scene earlier. So they drive to Beck's house. They pull up into the driveway and inside the car is Dr. Beck and Sophie. And Dr. Beck is actually in the middle of giving Sophie a sponge bath during this point in time, which I'm not going to dwell on. Very weird. Um, Beck sees the headlights outside, looks out the window and sees these two walking up to the porch, which no bueno, no good for him. He quickly suffocates Sophie. He like puts a cloth over her mouth so she passes out and um opens the door for ryan and her mother and ryan's like where's sophie and obviously dr beck is confused he's like what are you doing here you know he's like she's he's he's acting confused um ryan hobbles up the stairs of dr beck's house because he's still got a broken leg um very slowly this was this was a low speed chase so he goes up the stairs the mom and dr beck follow he snoops around the house looks in the bedroom and finds that and now we, the audience, we find out that Sophie isn't on the bed anymore. After Dr. Beck made her pass out, he put her in this trunk 
that is at the foot of his bed like this giant trunk that's like a bench (laughs) and Sophie's in there and they're sitting on the bench they're talking on the bench and she's just in there and he convinces Ryan and Sophie's mom that he had nothing to do with her death and that they should leave so they leave as soon as they're out the door Sophie comes to she starts pounding on the inside of the trunk literally as soon as they leave Dr. Beck unbolts the trunk lets her out And in the next scene, we see him loading luggage into his car. He goes inside. He brings her breakfast. He's like, you're going to need to eat. We've got a long drive ahead of us, presumably driving to Mexico. Um, And he starts spoon feeding her breakfast. So anyway, Sophie, Sophie's not an idiot. Okay, Sophie is a smart girl. And she starts playing into his delusion. She clocks it. She's like, she starts telling him, oh, I love you. Like, thank you so much for saving me. She even like leans forward and kisses him because her mouth got unwrapped since seeing as she's, he's feeding her via spoon. Um, So she kisses him and she tells him that she wants to have sex with him. And here's how that conversation went down. I, if I had to hear this with my own ears, so do you. Okay, let's unpack that. She's laying there strapped to the bed, feeding into his delusion, thinking that maybe she'll be able to reason with him. She goes, I have had sex before, but I've never had a real orgasm. And insane. When the first time I watched this movie, I was like, I cannot believe I'm watching this. I was like, I can't believe this is a real movie that they made for TV. She's like, I want to know what it feels like. And I know that you could make me feel that way because you're an expert on the human body, right? And he goes, well, I did take an entire semester of gynecological studies. So you could say that I'm quite skilled. (gasps) The idea, (laughs) the idea that both only a semester of gynecological studies would allow you to get a woman off is insane. If you didn't go to gynecological studies, good luck. You're never making a girl come. (laughs) Oh my God. It's just so funny. Also like, that's like everything about that is crazy everything (laughs) I don't buy it I don't buy it I don't hear if you watch this movie let me know if you think Dr. Beck can make a woman come because my bets are on no he can't (laughs) I bet no zero percent chance he's ever given a woman an orgasm ever in his life um okay let's get back we've lost the plot here where are we so his horny ass is like into it right (laughs) his horny ass is into it she's like I just want you to untie me just my hand so that I can touch you and he falls for it stupid bitch stupid horny bitch he he falls for it he unties one of her wrists he's reaching over the bed to untie her other wrist when she reaches over to the plate that has her breakfast on it um and grabs the butter knife off the plate she is trying to stab him but before she can do that he intercepts it they have a huge fight (laughs) 
he's like, I thought you loved me. And she's like, I hate you. I hate you. You're insane. And um, he has another meltdown. He's like, why won't anyone love me? Why don't I ever get the girl? Why can't I ever get the girl? All I want is someone to be with. All I want is for someone to be with me. And um, he says, I think at one point he was like, I gave you your life and I can just as easily take it away. Like, sure, Grandpa. Sure, Grandpa, let's get you to bed. And at this point, we have another iconic monologue from him that I will, I will kindly play for you. Tag yourself. I'm armless, legless, mute. Um, anyway, he's like, prepare for surgery, okay? Because he's going to fuck her up. And he he's like playing God at this point. So he's like, get ready for surgery. And he goes downstairs and starts putting together this little surgery setup, like on the kitchen island. Okay, like lays a blanket down. He gets all his little tools and like scalpels out. And he fills this vial, this like needle vial with some sort of liquid that's going to knock her out, I'm assuming, like put her under. Um, he goes upstairs to stick her with this needle and Sophie isn't on the bed where he left her. Um, she's actually hiding in the master bathroom and she knocks him over with a lamp. She smashes a lamp onto his head. He gets knocked off his feet briefly. He doesn't pass out, unfortunately. And she's running downstairs because she got herself untied. Okay, good for Sophie. She got herself untied. Uh, good for her girl boss. Um, Sophie makes a mad dash for the door, right? He tries to stop her. He comes up behind her. Um, she grabs a really conveniently located golf club. Well, first, she gets him in the nuts. She knees him in the nuts. And then, while he's distracted with the ball pain, I'm assuming, she grabs this golf club that's just, like, really conveniently located by the door, which we love for her. We love for her. Lucky girl syndrome. So, <laughs> Sophie, all you need to do is... Um, Imagine that you have really good luck and none of this would have happened to you, okay? I don't think you manifested hard enough. That's why this happened to you. Jokes, all jokes. Sophie starts beating the shit out of Dr. Beck with this golf club um, and knocks him out. She goes over to his body laying on the ground. He's alive. He's just knocked out. She reaches into his pockets and grabs his keys, which like smart move. Smart move. I love that for you, Sophie. She unlocks the door, which was locked from inside for some reason, like the front door to his house. She bolts outside, gets into his car, and fucking floors it, bitch! She, zoom, she zooms right out of there, and she drives to her parents' house. But guess what's happening today? Guess what's happening at her parents' house today in the backyard? Her funeral. It is Sophie's funeral today, and all the funeral goers wearing black, wearing their mourning clothing are walking into the backyard and sitting in their little chairs waiting for the ceremony to start. And Sophie pulls in to the driveway. Front door is open. The front door is open for the funeral goers to go through. So Sophie goes through the 
the front door and looks through the back windows to see everyone, everyone in her life sitting at her own funeral. You guys, this is the end of the movie and this is like such an iconic scene. I can't imagine the world without Sophie. And I can't believe I'm never gonna see her. <laughs> okay, so Caitlin is giving her eulogy and sees Sophie behind all of the funeral goers and she gasps. She goes, <gasps> and then all of the guests, and you have to watch the movie for this scene and this scene only. All the guests turn their heads around in, unis in unison and gasp. They're like, <gasps> it's the most dramatic gasp ever. And there's this iconic slow motion montage that's gonna happen right now. And by the way, Sophie's in a hospital gown, okay? She showed up to her own funeral wearing like the hospital gown that Dr. Beck had been holding her captive in and black Keds. Halloween costume alert, honestly. I, I that's like, I would actually wear that Halloween costume. There's a slow motion montage. Her parents are running over to hug her. This grandma, this kind of old lady who was part of the funeral attendee crowd, kind of faints dramatically into someone's arms. It's camp. It's high camp, okay? I'm telling you, you need to watch it. I have seen this movie so many times, and this scene just never gets old. Like, it's literally perfect. It's the perfect ending to any movie ever. The montage ends with the camera panning over to Ryan. He locks eyes with Sophie, throws his cane to the side, throws his cane. <laughs> he doesn't need that. He has the power of love, baby. And he sprints over to her. It's cunt. Ryan is serving cunt in this scene. They embrace. They sloppily kiss in front of all of the funeral attendees. And then everyone just gets out of their seats to mingle with each other. Kind of like, it's kind of chill. They're just like, oh, Sophie's back, I guess. So anyway, at some point, the police do get called because the police are are breaking into Beck's house. They're seen breaking into Beck's house, guns drawn, guns ablazing. And um, the last scene of the movie, at this point, after the cops are like, there's nowhere, he's nowhere. He's nowhere to be found. We can't find him. The last scene of the movie, we cut to Cabo San Lucas. Okay. Becca's in the exact same situation he was when he started this movie. We are back in the restaurant. He is sitting at a table by himself waiting for his date to show up help he's still at the restaurant um sitting in the corner he haunts if you will and he has a stupid bandage on his forehead assume it, i'm assuming it's from his golf club injuries the waitress comes by and she's like hi can i take your order and he's like no i'm waiting for someone um the waitress is like okay i'll be back soon then the camera pulls in real close to beck's face and he utters the final line of the movie which is she'll be here any minute which like I love I just love that it's so sinister and obviously there's four more of these movies so it's just like such a good lean into the next movie the next one is called stuck by my doctor the return it came out the following year in 2016 and it's not as good as the first one I'm I'm not gonna lie but it's it it, it does start off taking place in Mexico so I do like this ending scene okay team that's stalked by my doctor what did we think I feel like I just blacked out and talked for an hour and a half. I don't know. <laughs> I have no recollection of what happened, but um, I know that I talked about Stalked by My Doctor and I hope that you like it. 
I'm new at this. I've never done like a movie, like I've never done like movie commentary, like in it, in any sort of format, but especially not in an audio format. So I don't know if this is going to like translate to audio since it is about like a movie that obviously you're supposed to be watching with your eyeballs. Um, but honestly, I just needed to do it. I, for personal reasons, I needed to get stalked by my doctor out of my system. So thank you for allowing me to do that. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'll see you again for another episode soon. I'm definitely going to upload every Monday and then probably other days other than Monday too, but at least every Monday. Um, So with that, if you made it this far into the podcast, of course, I want to give you a big old kiss on the lips. So there's that for you. And I hope you have a lovely rest of your day, evening, morning, whatever. I'll see you right back here again soon. Bye.